If you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, found on page 1052. Luke 24, starting at verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name to all nations, beginning in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses to these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. It was November 1942, and Hitler's Air Force had invaded and terrified the skies over England. Britain was feeling the dread of Germany's enlarging shadow, and the country was asking that question, which many, many countries, I'm sure, were asking at the same time. How long can we endure this darkness, the darkness of this war? Winston Churchill, who was the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom at the time, needed to encourage the people to offer them hope. And on November 10th, Churchill spoke to the country and encouraged them with these immortal words. Now is not the end, it is not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. I think the disciples in Luke chapter 24 They also needed to hear those comforting words because all hope seemed gone. They were frightened. They were confused. Their their initial response to the the reports that that Jesus had risen from the, the dead, it was met with disbelief. It was just too good to be true. And because they were afraid of the Roman officials as well as the, uh, the Jewish officials, the religious leaders, they were hiding behind locked doors as they grieved. And as they hid, they must have wondered if the fate that had fallen upon Jesus, if it was going to fall upon them as well. Their faith had been tried and tested, and when all was said and done, they didn't do so well. They ran for the hills. One of the disciples, he even denied ever knowing Jesus. The one who said, I will never deny you. He's one of the first. But as I said a moment ago, 
they were about to discover that it was only the end of a brand new beginning. Remember that earthquake, that earthquake some years ago, quite a few years now, that, that hit Chile. We're off the coast of it. From the time the tsunami warning system went off, scientists were able to predict exactly when the, the waves would hit other land masses, other countries. And apparently 40 to 50 uh, warnings about the tsunami went out. And what was so amazing about it is they, scientists were correct this time. They could predict exactly when it was going to hit, like, for example, even when it was going to hit Hawaii. The only thing they couldn't predict was how high the waves were going to be. And thankfully for that tsunami, they were, they were quite small and they, they did very little damage. But we've also seen pictures on TV and in the news where you see the, the power of those tsunamis and, and the damage that they can do on, on not only lives but on, on property as well. I wonder if the, the disciples felt like a tsunami had hit them and knocked them over and turned everything upside down. Clearly the disciples were troubled and worried as Jesus comes into that that room and says in verse 38, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your minds? Can you imagine their shock? I read a story recently about how a pastor was officiating his, his mother's memorial service. Um, his, mother, his mother's name was Mary, and, and at, at the beginning of the, the, the actual memorial service, as everyone gathered, um, Mary's identical sister, who no one knew about, came to the church and came and sat down. And when many of the, the ladies saw this, her sister, who looked exactly like Mary, um, a lot of them fainted, a lot of them screamed. They, they, they thought for sure that Mary had risen from the dead. Can you imagine what it was like for the disciples? As they sat in that room, probably with the shades drawn, shutters closed, grieving about Jesus' death just a few days before, and suddenly, right before them, there's Jesus. You can just imagine the shock. And when he appears, he says to his disciples, peace be with you. Those are incredible words, aren't they? And the reason they're so incredible is because this is real peace. This is lasting peace. Not a temporary peace like the world often experiences. This is one that was theirs to to enjoy not only in eternity, but even, even then. This peace is not something our world can offer. It's not dependent on the circumstances of your life. We often think it is. Well, when things are always going well, then I'll be at peace. That's not true. The only way we can experience that, that peace that we desire, that lasting peace, the kind of peace that just fills us and satisfies us, it can only be found when we're in the presence of the Lord. Listen to how Jesus explains it in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God because of what he accomplished on the cross, taking away our sin, taking away our guilt, 
the condemnation that should be ours. He took that upon himself. And because we have peace with God, now through Jesus Christ, now we can experience the peace of God. Notice the difference there. Peace with God through Jesus. And because of that, now we can experience the peace of God, which is ours to enjoy each and every day. Not just in eternity, but even now as we live our lives. Scientists say some of the Earth's most violent storms, they occur out at sea. But even when the seas are violent, even when there's 20 to 30 foot swells, I can't imagine going through a storm like that. Yet down deep, below the surface, there's peace and there's calm deep in the water. Doesn't that remind you of the peace we have in Christ Jesus? Your lives, the world around you, they might be in turmoil. But if your roots go down deep into Jesus Christ, no matter what's going on in your life, if your roots go down deep into Christ, you can experience that peace. That peace is found in the presence of Jesus. That's what the disciples found. It's not a made-up peace. It's not a peace that the world can give us. But it's found only in Jesus. In our text, because the disciples were startled and frightened and thought they were looking at a ghost, we're told that they responded with doubt and disbelief. To encourage them and show his disciples that it was really, it was really him, he told them to come, touch me, feel that I'm, I'm real, see, see the holes in my hands and my feet, probably st- still see the, the scars on his forehead from that crown of thorns. But even though the disciples could see that, we're told that they were bewildered with joy. Bewildered with joy. They were so happy, they were so joyful that Jesus was there, yet in their joy they couldn't even believe. And so Jesus says, well, give me some fish to eat. And so he took some roasted fish and he ate it, again, just to show his disciples that he was real. That he wasn't a ghost. Joy and amazement, that's another thing that the disciples experienced in the presence of Jesus. I think you could say joy is always a a companion with, with the peace that we experience in Christ. Jesus' resurrection from the dead, it was too good to be true. The disciples, they were just overjoyed, overwhelmed with that joy. And in that joy, again, they still struggled to believe But for the disciples, just as peace came in the presence, with the presence of Jesus, so now joy does as well. You can just imagine, as it just began to dawn on the disciples what was really going on here. That Jesus was alive, that he rose from the dead, that they no longer had to be in sorrow thinking about Jesus, but now they could rejoice that he was alive, that the grave couldn't hold him. You can just imagine the joy in that room and the joy that spread out into Jerusalem through the disciples who heard. Again, we don't have to wait until Jesus returns again for that joy. But First Peter 1 says it's ours to enjoy even now. 
Peter speaks of being filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's something for each of us to claim. An inexpressible and glorious joy. It's found in Jesus. It's found in his presence. And so if you walk with him, if he's your Lord and Savior, that's God's gift to you. First his peace, and then his joy. It belongs to all who put their hope in him. You know, we sometimes think that God isn't interested in our joy. That couldn't be farther from the truth. He wants you to share in his joy. He wants you to share in his happiness. But what you need to remember is that this joy and happiness, it can only be found in him and and through him. That means if you want your joy to increase, and we do, we all want to be happy, right? But if you want your joy to increase, the only way to accomplish that is by drawing closer to Christ, by inviting him deeper into your life. It's one thing to make Jesus your Savior, but it's another thing to make him your Lord, Lord of every single area of your life. It's a challenge. And each Sunday as we come together, that's something that we're reminded of. Has he been Lord of my life? Is there areas that are not pleasing to him? And then we confess it once again, and we start all over. And the reason we can start all over is because what Christ accomplished on Easter morning and over the grave. As you think about your life right now, is there an area in your life that you're not experiencing that joy? If there is, then I encourage you, surrender it to the Lord. Surrender those problems, those needs, whatever it is. Surrender it to the Lord and allow him to fill you with a joy that can only come from him. And as I said a moment ago, another blessing we receive as a result of being in the presence of the risen Savior is hope. Is hope. Again, you can just imagine the hopelessness that had filled the disciples. They're in that, that room. They've locked the doors. They, they don't know what the future holds. They, they don't know what's going to happen to them. They thought they were going to be part of Jesus' earthly kingdom. They thought they were going to have places in that kingdom, roles to, to fill. And then Jesus ended up dying on them. Again, you can just imagine their despair, their hopelessness. They thought Jesus was going to start a a kingdom that would be greater than even the, the empire of Rome. And when Jesus died, their hopes died as well. But in Jesus' presence, once again, there's hope. There's peace, there's joy, and there's hope. And as Jesus explains to his disciples this hope, he shares with them from the law and the prophets, from the Psalms. I'm sure he brought up teachings that that he had probably shared with them, and he opened their minds, and finally they understood. They understood what this was all about. Not completely yet, They would have another 40 days to figure that out before the Holy Spirit came, but they they were starting to get it. And I'm sure as they did, you can just imagine the, the hope that filled them. It reminds me a lot, too, of that story of Jesus walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Again, he opened up the Scriptures to them. And, and don't you wonder what he shared? 
it's spoken of very briefly here in our passage, but I I bet it was an extended conversation. I, I wish we could have heard it, how he tied everything together and what he exactly pointed to and and you can just see the disciples, they probably all had the smile on their face. And as Carl Jung would say, they probably had an ah experience. Ah, so that's it. That's what's been going on. That's why you said this. That's why you did this. That's why you had to die. I was watching a documentary a while back about some woman who had cancer and all the things that she had to go through. And in the documentary, they, they interviewed not only the family, but they interviewed the nurses, the um, other staff, as well as the doctors. And one of the questions they asked those, those folks is, uh, what do you think the best treatment for uh, cancer is? And I was a little surprised by the answer, because all of them, without a doubt, said the same thing. They said it's having hope. When the doctor and the nurses have hope and they can reflect that to the patient, they said the patient has hope. And it makes all the difference in the world. We see such a a, a difference in people who have hope compared to people who don't have hope and they just give up. Especially for patients who had a higher power. They didn't clarify what that higher power was, but I think in the majority of the cases it's going to be the Lord. But for those who had that higher power in their lives, those who had Jesus, they especially experienced hope. Not that they were automatically healed. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But it does tell us that we don't have to go through those things alone. Healing often comes, but sometimes it's just Christ giving us the strength to get through those difficult times. But there's hope found in the Lord. Hebrews 6 pictures our hope in Jesus as being an anchor for our souls, which is firm and secure. It's a hope that no one can take from you when it's anchored in Jesus. As the disciples' hope was renewed and they were reminded of the teachings of Jesus, at last, I think they began to understand what, why Jesus had come and why Jesus had been training them, what their role was to be now, what their mission was. It was to carry on the mission that Jesus began. It would be completely different than how they felt as they sat in that that room before Jesus came, feeling hopelessness, feeling a lack of purpose. But now that they were standing in Jesus' presence, now that they were filled with his peace and his joy and his hope, suddenly their outlook was completely different. Suddenly they realized that they had work to do. They had to carry on the work that Jesus began What a comfort that Jesus is our hope. Despite everything going on in our world, what a comfort. And we too are called to be a witness for the Lord. In in, in this chapter, this is really part of Luke's great commission. 
The most famous one is, is Matthew 28, but even here in this chapter, and especially in, in Acts chapter 1, we see the Great Commission. And here, Jesus is calling them to share what they had seen and heard. What they had seen and heard. Isn't that what we're called to do too? What we've seen and heard, what we've experienced, that's, that's the message we're, we're to bring to the world around us. That's the message you need to bring to your family and your friends and your coworkers. What you've seen and heard. We try to make evangelism so complicated. Well, I've got to say exactly the right things. No, just like the disciples, you've got to say what you've seen and heard, what you've experienced, how God has blessed you, how God has been at work in your life. Share that with others. I remember when I was going through this, but I had the Lord to lean on. Have you met my Jesus? Have you met the risen Savior? Jesus' disciples were completely transformed once they knew that Jesus was alive. They couldn't stop telling others what they had seen and heard. They went to the ends of the world at that time, telling them, telling the world what they had seen and heard. May this excitement be true for us as well. In this day and age where the world celebrates rabbits laying chocolate Easter eggs, figure that one out. Easter eggs growing on trees, rabbits leaving candy and presents for the kids. Let's not forget the real story of Easter. May we never grow tired of telling others that love crucified arose. Happy Easter, everyone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for all that we can celebrate on this day. Thank you, Jesus, that the grave couldn't hold you. Thank you for your victory on the cross and over death that you now share with us. And We just thank you, Lord, for all that you give us, all that's found in your presence. Lord, we can so easily take these things for granted. The peace, the joy, the hope that you offer us. But Lord, this morning may we marvel at it again. And may it fill us with such joy and excitement, Lord, that we're willing and prepared to share it with others. Thank you for this beautiful day. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand.